Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. How are you, SOBs? <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't start with that. Oh, the Joe Biden stuff. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. It is my show. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I don't want to play that audio. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't. We don't need to hear that language on this program. People call and, and, and complain enough about my language. <laughs> um, Joe Biden at the end of a, uh, a gaggle, press gaggle, before he goes into a meeting, uh, he, he, Pete Ducey's asking questions. Now, you need to understand the context here that's been missed in a lot of the reporting. Biden is literally complaining at the end of this press gaggle that nobody asks him questions about the relevant topics and says, like inflation. So Pete Ducey asks him a question about Ukraine. Biden refuses to respond, and Ducey says, okay, let me ask you a question about inflation. And Ducey begins to ask him a question about inflation. I will read for you the official White House transcript because it's in the transcript. Ducey says, uh, why are sending 8,500 troops to Ukraine? Uh, Possibly. Will you take questions on inflation then? Do you think inflation is a political liability ahead of the midterms? And the president replies, no, it's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a blankety blank. Uh, the B word. Um, <laughs> all right. Everybody, everybody is missing this. So many people are focused on the president of the United States calling Pete Ducey a son of a blankety blanket SOB. Um, it, it, <laughs> they're missing the actual big story. They are missing. Everybody is so focused on what he said to Ducey. They're missing the real news in what he said. First, you do need to know he called Pete Ducey and hugged it out with him. Uh, after years of clips of the president and I kind of mixing it up on the campaign trail and during the transition and here at the White House, uh, within about an hour of that exchange, he called my cell phone and uh, he said, it's nothing personal, pal. And we went back and forth and we were talking about uh, just kind of moving, moving forward. And I made sure to tell him that I'm always going to try to ask something different than what everybody else is asking and uh he said you've got to and that's a quote from the president so i'll keep doing it look um when trump called chuck todd an sob at a campaign rally the american press corps went absolutely ballistic absolutely insane it was a multi-day story the only person who didn't make it a story to his credit chuck todd never brought it up didn't really have to. The rest of the media went insane. Uh, Jake Tapper was on, uh, I think, Jimmy Kimmel last night. Kimmel was trying to get Jake Tapper from CNN to attack Pete Ducey, and Tapper stood up for Pete Ducey, said it was unacceptable for the president to do this. Uh, Brian Stelter, I thought it was interesting from reliable sources, uh, said the president should have done it, but then tried to nuance. Well, I mean, he does work for Fox, and this isn't an ongoing thing, so it's different from when he went after Chuck Todd. Now, 
Tapper didn't make any nuanced um, defenses of the president there, but most reporters and the left piled us, ah, this is terrific. Finally, went after that Ducey kid. One one media writer wouldn't even spell Pete Ducey's name like he's Voldemort or something. He who, who shall not be named was called an SOB by the president of the United States. And because it's a story, this this is the, the most profound and amazing thing. And I, I'm really shocked and disappointed in, in most of my conservative brethren out there have also missed the relevant story. Nobody is focused on it. They're all focused on Ducey. We've gotten Ducey out of the way, but you, you got to actually focus on the big story. The president, when asked about inflation, is it a political liability ahead of the midterms? The president says, no, it's a great asset. We need more inflation. Now, let's be clear here. He was being sarcastic. Now, I know because there's always some some 80-year-old with their keyboard in their lap ready to fire off hate mail. He was not being sarcastic. He was telling the truth. That's what he wants. He wants more inflation. No, he wasn't. He was being sarcastic. But but just just what if he wasn't? We'll explore that. But he was very clearly in tone being sarcastic, and, and some people just refuse to accept the truth. It's bad that he was being sarcastic about it. It's bad if he if he really does say inflation's a great asset, more inflation. Uh, it's going to be a campaign a commercial for the GOP, and they'll treat it as if he wasn't being sarcastic. The president says we need more inflation. It's a great asset. The real thing here is if you can treat it honestly and accept that it was sarcasm, just how bad it actually is. Last week, the president of the United States had a prolonged press conference where he took questions from the press. He was trying essentially to reset for the 2022 midterms. He was trying. He knows they're headed into a campaign year. He knows his approval ratings are bad. Polls don't matter, he says. He doesn't believe them. He knows that in the midterms, the party that does not control the White House tends to be the party that does well. He's got to mitigate the damage. And he was asked about inflation last week, and he was asked about the campaign, and he was asked about his disapproval. He says polls don't matter. They're, they've got in, uh, the infrastructure bill. People are going to see progress. Inflation's going to come down. It's going to correct itself. Uh, he trusts the Federal Reserve. He doesn't really worry about it. Uh, it's it's still it's transitory. It's lasted longer than they expected, but it's not here forever. He did everything he could to possibly mitigate it and, and deny that it was going to have an impact on the Democrats' chances. And now here he comes, and Pete Ducey asks him, do you think inflation is a political liability ahead of the midterms? And the president sarcastically says, no, it's a great asset, more inflation. What a stupid son of a... The president is making an admission against interest. There's a rule when you go to law school, hearsay. Hearsay is a statement that someone makes. It cannot be entered into the court record as the truth of the matter asserted. So when someone says, oh, yeah, I I saw it and I thought it was very funny. You can't go to court and say, oh, yeah, Erickson said he saw it and he thought it was very funny. As the truth of the matter asserted, you can't you can't go to court and express what I said as truth. You can't do that. It's against the rules. There is, however, 
an exception in the hearsay rules. There are lots of exceptions in the hearsay rules. You know, for example, if you ever watch Judge Judy and someone's witness is a witness and, and she says, well, you know, he said, and Judge Judy cuts him off. I, I, I don't care what he said. What did, what did you say? What did you see? She's trying to avoid the hearsay rule. You can't enter into evidence the statements of other people. That's hearsay. There's an exception. It's called an admission against interest. So if I say, oh, yeah, I thought it was funny. That's why I shot them. Then the person on the stand can say, Erickson said, I thought it was funny. That's why I shot them. Because, yes, it's hearsay. It's a statement for the truth of the matter asserted. It is a statement to to make true my statement. And I'm not in court to say it, but it's an admission against interest. People, when they utter things that are self-indicting, that's an admission against interest. When I admit to someone, yes, I killed the person, my words can be used against me on the stand to hell with the hearsay rule because it is an admission against interest. You don't admit to murdering someone unless you did it. Joe Biden, through his sarcasm, is admitting he murdered the economy and it's going to come back to biting. Joe Biden last week went through great pains to say inflation was not going to be a campaign issue for the Democrats. And in one throwaway moment, insulting Pete Ducey of Fox News, he gives away the game. He knows the Democrats are screwed. In being a flippant insulter-in-chief at Pete Ducey, who got under his skin by asking these questions, the president has admitted through his use of sarcasm that inflation's bad for the Democrats in November. Everyone else knows this. The question all along for the last week has been, how much does the president really know about this? Not because he is uh, enfeebled or has dementia, but how much is his staff? Because he, he doesn't have regular news sources. The president, this president, unlike the last president, is not glued to the TV all day watching the news headlines. How much are they telling the president about what's going on out there? How much are they briefing the president on the presidential polling? A lot of presidents, they don't do this to. They don't want it to get in their mind. They don't want them to know, oh, the people have really turned against you. And there has been a long question in this administration of, are is Ron Klain in particular really filling the president in on the state of play out there? Yes. The answer is yes. The fact that he blew up at a question, do you think inflation is a political liability ahead of the midterms? Uh, you're damn right they have, have advised the president, and he knows just how bad the situation is for the Democrats. Pete Ducey got more out of this throwaway attack from the president than any reporter got from the president last week. It's remarkably telling that this got under the president's skin and he responded in that way. He's feeling the pressure of the polling. And my gosh, he should. Here's Chuck Todd. I, I meant to play this yesterday. I, I got I got a, several clips here I want to play for you so that you can understand where this is going because the media at this point, as much as they prefer Biden to Trump, the American media is still naive enough to believe it has a lot of credibility with the public. 
And to maintain that credibility, they have to, of course, cover the news. And what's in the news is stuff that's not good. This is Chuck Todd from Sunday. Listen to this. President Biden's news conference on Wednesday was designed to kick off a second year reset of his presidency. Cap recaptures political identity, if you will. But our, MB, our new NBC News poll suggests Mr. Biden does need a reset because he's lost his identity a bit. He's no longer seen as competent and effective. He's no longer seen as a good commander in chief or perhaps most damaging as easygoing and likable. In fact, just 5% of adults say Mr. Biden has performed better than expected as president. One of the many lowest firsts and fewests in our poll. And as we kick off our Meet the Midterms coverage heading into November, the NBC News Political Unit developed what we're calling a midterm meter. It's based on previous election cycles. It's basically three poll numbers you need to know best. I'm going to start with the, perhaps the most important number to understand uh, the direction of the midterms. It's job approval here. The president's job approval rating sitting at 43%. If you look at history, history shows that kind of presidential approval rating leads to a shellacking for the party in power. How about the mood of the nation? Well, let me show you this right now. Our wrong track, nation's on the wrong track number, sitting at 72%. Second poll in a row where we've been over 70%. This is only the third time in our poll's history over 30 years where we've had two tracks that uh, were that off. That, again, would put you in shellacking territory for the party in power. Shellacking. That's the key word here. Shellacking. That was Chuck Todd. Uh, one more small clip from Chuck Todd. I don't believe the polls. Though the two parties are deadlocked on the question of who should control Congress, Republicans now have a double-digit advantage on interest in the election itself. Disparities like that led to big one-party waves in 2006, 2010, 2014, and 2018. There has been a significant drop in interest among the Democrats' core voting groups since October. Urban voters down 16 points, young voters down 17, and African Americans down 21 points. Down 21 points among black voters in this country is brutal. Of course he knows this stuff. They're telling him this stuff. One more. This is from CBS. During the course of the pandemic, we've been listening to Americans through Zoom to get their thoughts on COVID, the economy, and how the government is handling it all. On Friday, we checked back in with six of them. Who feels like we are in a better place now than we were a year ago? Show of hands. No one believes we're in a better spot now. Oh, listen. This stuff is starting to weigh on the White House. This stuff is starting to weigh on Joe Biden. The man is already in a frail mental state at his age. Now you add all of these pressures to it. My gosh, these next nine, ten months in the run-up to the midterms. Wow. Wow. Um, this is going to be fascinating to watch as we get closer and closer because, you know, inflation is expected to go down probably to around 3% from where it is now, but that still means prices will keep going up. It's not like there will be a deflationary event to bring prices down. Prices will still be going up. They just won't be increasing in price as quickly as they are right now. That's not actually good news for the Democrats. I got to play y'all some more audio here because, again, the national media, as much as they want, as much as they want, they can't avoid telling, uh, relating what's going on out there in the public. That They try their best to do damage control, 
but they can't avoid some of the big stories. This is from CBS News. San Francisco residents Irene and Mario Onhook are the parents of Marlo, a 10-month-old boy. His mom can't breastfeed, so from birth they've fed him a liquid infant formula from Similac, but now say it's in short supply. We've noticed it being difficult to find maybe a couple months ago, two, three months ago, and then just recently we can't find it. We've tried all the local targets. We checked Costco's, Costco online, Walgreens, Long's, can't find it anywhere. Her husband even drove an hour away. No luck. So the couple switched to the powdered version of the formula, but say Marlo sometimes spits it up or won't finish it. It just worrisome a little bit for us because we want to just make sure he's getting all the calories he needs and all the nutrition he needs from the formula because he's not a year yet. They can't find formula. Formulas in short supply. And then this last night, that was last night on CBS News. This was last night on NBC News. Before the pandemic, this lot was typically packed with about 120 used cars. Today, there's only 45. We are paying around 30% more for the same car that we used to buy before the pandemic. You have to pass that on to the Absolutely. customer. Yes. Nationwide, the price of a used car has skyrocketed 37% in the past year. The average cost soaring above $28,000 for the first time ever. Everybody's frustrated. It's a shortage of cars. In West New York, New Jersey, a smaller dealer, but the same story. It's got 120,000 miles on it. Nick Constantino has been selling cars at this corner lot for nearly 60 years. His fleet is older with a lot more miles, but like many other dealers, he also has less to sell. All the years that I've been in business, these last two years are the worst years I've ever seen. And he says that's hurting business and the lower income buyer. A lot of people that come here cannot afford a car today. That's the hard reality for John Cook and his wife in Alexandria, Indiana. We don't have that nest egg. No. I can stop that one there and notice how they go around the country. They don't make it just New York, New Jersey. They spread it around. Even in Indiana, people are having these problems across the nation. The Democrats can't hide from this stuff. And here's the problem for them. There's really nothing anyone can do about it at this moment. Even Pete Buttigieg can't really fix the problem right now with the supply chain because there are global problems. But Americans want someone to blame. And the Republicans don't control anything. All these people who are wish casting that Joe Manchin would become a Republican, you should be thankful he did not because then there would be a foil for the Democrats with Republicans in charge of the Senate. Right now, it's Majority Leader Schumer, Speaker Pelosi, President Biden. They all have the same letter for the same party after their name. And so that is who the voters are going to blame in November. And Joe Biden knows that. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I'm going to go a little bit down the rabbit hole here. Um, Bear with me. I've noticed an unusual trend. In the last week, I've gotten text messages, direct messages, emails from people, all of whom are trying to explain the way the world is currently working, in particular, Biden and Ukraine. What's so interesting to me is that some of the people who have been convinced that Joe Biden is absolutely a a dementia-riddled Alzheimer's patient 
uh, are suddenly thinking he's playing five-dimensional chess with some of his statements, uh, wanting Vladimir Putin to come in and take over Ukraine. Uh, others uh, think maybe this is for political expedience. He needs a war to rally people. Maybe maybe that's what he's doing. Uh, everybody's trying to find the plot. Everybody's trying to rationalize. Everybody's trying to understand what's going on. A little bit repetitious, because I've said this before, not too long ago, but I, I want to frame it in this way. We need to talk about conspiracies because a lot of people are coming up with conspiracies to explain things, conspiracy theories. And, you know, when it comes to COVID, a lot of the conspiracy theories become the truth like three months later. But oftentimes people try to understand the world around them or understand their lot in life and they come up with conspiracy theories and the things they tell themselves, the elaborate stories into which they weave the narrative of their life or the things going on around them, and it's not necessarily so. Sometimes things are far more simple. Sometimes things may actually be more complicated. I am reminded, of course, about mythology, and a while back I mentioned this, how uh, the, the Greeks, there's the, the Narcissus flower along the, the streams. And thousands of years ago, when people were trying to find an explanation for why does this flower grow, the explanation was that Narcissus was a very vain man who would who loved himself more than all others. And one day, his reflection caught himself in a pool of water. And he stared at it and was so in love with the image of himself, he stayed there until he died, and the gods turned him into a flower. And that is why we have the Narcissus flower. Or lightning comes because of Zeus. Now, mythologies actually do to some degree have some semblance of something going on, perhaps in the spiritual world. You know, uh, Romans, Paul writes that God is reflected in all of nature. All religions have a little kernel of truth in them because we're all made in the image of God, so we all reflect him in some way. So uh, from different religions, you get you get facets of it. The thing I think that Christianity sets itself apart is that it is not self-salvific. You, you read every religion and understand all the religions of the planet, you've got only this one that really sets itself apart in this way. But all religions to some degree, they, they echo it to some degree because we're all made in the image of God and people try to explain things. And one of the reasons there are mythologies, ancient mythologies, is the people wanted to explain the way the world worked. They didn't have an understanding of physics. They didn't really have a, they started to have an understanding of math, but of deep science and physics, and they did not. Aristotle decided that the world was divided into four elements, earth, air, fire, and water. And everything was made up of those four components. And that lasted for a great long time as a rudimentary explanation for what was going on. We now know about all of the elements in the periodic table. But people do this, they do these things, whether it's mythologies or whether it's uh, rudimentary explanations for the way things work. And it explains the world around them. And as the world has gotten more complicated, People do this more and more. They try to come up with explanations. And now we have a problem. We have an actual real problem in the world around us today. So many of the experts are not really experts in the field into which they pontificate that you can't trust them. 
And that seeds more doubt. And so people go off and they find people who explain the world to them. And typically they latch on to the people who explain things that they can understand, whether it's true or not. But because they understand what the person is saying, they believe it to be true. And their whole world is shaped in that way. Conspiracies are another way. The number of people who believe somebody's out to get them, whether it's it's white people are out to get you or the government is out to get you or the, the rich are out to get you, people develop these conspiracy theories and these worldviews to explain why they're failing in life. You know, some people fail at life. I, I, I said this one time when I was uh, filling in for Rush Limbaugh one time, and it became a national thing that I had said this was specifically back when people were protesting and doing walkouts from fast food restaurants and they wanted higher wages. They wanted $15 an hour minimum wages at fast food restaurants and union organizers were getting them to walk out because they weren't getting paid. And I said, you know, some people make dumb mistakes in life and they fail and they're looking for other people to blame. So it's the rich corporations that are to blame. They can't accept their lot in life is they are there because of their own decisions. And oh, it was wrong. How dare you say you call yourself a Christian? is telling the truth. Some people fail at life. The question is whether they keep failing or they they fix the problems. You know, you are the heir to your past to a degree, but the traumas of your life, you either can define them or they will define you. And a lot of people in our day and age and in our society decide we're going to let the trauma define us. And so when you start making stupid decisions, you by default program yourself to continue to expect the bad results. And because you expect the bad results, you keep making the stupid decisions to give yourself the bad results. So you're never disappointed, but then you blame other people instead of yourself. It's the way some people do life. And all of this translates into politics where we're trying to understand a chaotic world around us, and the insanity of what's going on in Washington. Is Joe Biden a fully dementia-addled Alzheimer's patient, or is he fully in charge, or is it a combination of the two? Is he some sort of Machiavellian strategist? No, I can assure you he's not. Uh, The man tried to be president two times before, and he's doing it this time, and he's an absolute failure at it. He's no Machiavellian strategist. Sometimes the truth is complicated. Look at the COVID stuff. I mean, masks early on, yeah, okay, let, let, let's reduce it a little bit, but all the, the, the powers that be were saying, no, don't wear them, don't wear them, and it turns out they were lying to us because they didn't want to run on masks, and then they wanted us in masks, and there were no masks available, and then people said maybe the masks don't work, and now you got the COVID uh, vaccine conspiracy theorists. The number of people who tell me about the outrageous number of people who died because of the vaccine when it's not actually true, but look at what was true. It does turn out, and I was in the wrong on this one, that in some cases, hospitals, not all cases, but in some cases, we're counting people who died with COVID as people who died of COVID. Now, it actually turns out when you follow the story that a lot of the shift happened later in the virus. It wasn't in the beginning, but it's true. It happened. And nowadays, I mean, look at the the idea we've known all along, those of us on the right, we've been saying it, I've been saying it since the beginning, kids aren't going to get the virus. And if they get it, it's not going to be that big of a deal. And now suddenly, because the political winds have shifted on the Democrats, suddenly the Democrats, oh, it turns out that kids, they may not be getting this. Well, yes. We've been saying that the entire time. And that causes us to doubt anything that comes from the experts. And a lot of this is the media. 
and the media doesn't have the self-awareness to realize this, but to put a nuclear physicist who is a doctor on television and have him talk about COVID, he's not really an expert on virology. He's not really an expert on, um, on various infectious diseases. People don't want to stay in their lane. But now here's the problem. A lot of us, we get on social media and because of confirmation bias, we're trying to figure out the way the world works. And oftentimes we have preconceived ideas about the way the world works and therefore we go to people who tell us what we already tend to believe is true and, and there's no challenge, there's no pushback. And all of us kind of get siloed into our own own media. You know, I to try to break myself out of this habit, a lot of people ask me all the time, how do you do show prep? Y'all, I read a ton. I stay up all night and I, I work through the night when everybody else in the house is asleep. And then I get up and I start doing it again. And nowadays I find I have to go on YouTube and rumble and elsewhere and find all the videos people are talking about and see, is there a kernel of truth? Are they right? Are they lying? And I got to read the left and I got to read the right and I got to read the middle and I got to be able to synthesize and analyze and process and figure it out. And the worst thing possible for an introvert like me is sometimes I have to pick up the phone and call people who are real experts in the field and ask them. It's the most, I hate to talk on the phone to people. I got a couple of friends who love to talk on the phone. I hate to talk on the phone. I do not like to talk on the phone. And sometimes now I have to actually do that so that I can try to be as right as possible and correct the record when I'm wrong with you guys. I say all of this to get to this particular point. There are some bad things that are probably going to happen this year. War economic problems, interest rates grow up, we're going to throw it, throw ourselves into recession. And there will be people who try to explain it or people who want to understand what the hell is actually going on. Why are they doing this? The one thing that I think that you should understand, and I realize I'm at odds with all of you on this one, is that as much as Joe Biden is an 80-year-old who only has like three hours of sanity a day, he ultimately is calling the shots in the White House. He actually is calling the shots. He is the final decision maker in the White House. But to understand that, you also need to understand Joe Biden was a creature of the United States Senate for 50 years. And in the United States Senate, longtime senators relied on their chiefs of staffs. So he's relying on Ron Klain. Ron Klain is essentially his prime minister who comes to him with a portfolio of options that Ron Klain likes, and Joe Biden picks those options. That has a lot to do with where we are these days. They do shelter Biden from some information. That's why it was so revealing his sarcasm on the issue of inflation, because it tips you off that they actually have told him how bad the polling is out there. But on Ukraine, there's no sinister plot of Joe Biden wants a war because it might improve his polling. Actually, if anything, given the preconditions of Afghanistan built into people's ideas, if Russia does invade Ukraine, it's going to hurt Joe Biden because people will already believe that Joe Biden was an incompetent moron who screwed up Afghanistan. And of course, there's now a war with Putin in Ukraine because Joe Biden's an idiot and he let it happen because he's out of his league. This isn't going to help Joe Biden. But there is no Machiavellian plot there either. Joe Biden is the dog that caught the car. If you want to understand the way the world works right now in Washington, D.C., just understand that point. 
It's not that he's grandpa dementia who is spoon fed or given a straw every day and everybody does the stuff for him. No, no, he's actually, he's there. He's behind the wheel. Have you ever seen an 80 year old? And I, I look, I don't mean this insulting. I really don't. But have you ever seen an 80 year old driving on the interstate? That's Joe Biden in the presidency. It's very slow, very cautious, in the fast lane doing 50, not quite in his lane and easily distracted. That's where we are. And he, making it worse, is surrounded by a bunch of backseat drivers yelling at him, telling him what to do. That's what's going on here. It's not that complicated. We sometimes, though, as a people, wish to complicate things far more than we need to. And sometimes, you know, things really are so simple, we can't grasp how simple they are. There are other times things are more complicated than we expect, and we don't actually have the depth of knowledge or expertise to realize how complicated they are. There is a, you know, I, I forget the exact terminology of it, but there are some things in life where you don't have the basic level of knowledge of the subject matter to be able to even understand that you don't understand. You just presume you understand because you don't actually have the level of knowledge or expertise or background to know you don't or can't possibly understand. And that traps us a lot. I'm finding this now with a lot of people on YouTube and and Instagram and like social media influencers who really, they don't even know that they don't know what they're talking about because they just assume they do and they're so far out of their league. You got to be careful as you guide this stuff. But I just, I, 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 I felt compelled here because we're going to head into some economic rough time as interest rates go up, a recession begins, the Russian instability, we're going to have more corrections in the stock market. China, of course, is going to, to go all out. I'm looking right now, the Dow, the NASDAQ, and the S&P as I'm talking, they're down again today. All of these things are going to cause us problems along the way. What I think in particular you need to understand and you need to know is this. Resist the urge to construct entire worlds in your head to explain the way all of this is working. Because if you really want to understand the way that the whole world is working right now, it's we're full of sinners. We should have as few in charge of us as possible. Unfortunately, we don't. And those sinners are arrogant. They're out of their depth. They are convinced of their own righteousness and they lack the humility to understand that maybe they don't know everything and maybe they're getting things wrong. Ultimately, if you want to understand what's going on in Washington right now, if you want to understand the situation with Ukraine, if you want to understand the economy, if you want to understand COVID, your bottom line that you need to understand is that we have a bunch of people in Washington, D.C. right now who lack humility. And their hubris is what's causing all of the problems because not a single one of them has the sense to think, hmm, maybe I've screwed up. Instead, they're blaming everyone else. This is Washington, and this explains everything from Ukraine to current COVID policies. This is a, you know, I, I try to end the hour, not every hour, but most hours on a, on a happy note. This one is not. I have a affiliate now um, in Tucson, Arizona, and I saw this story. And it's relevant to all of us, but particularly to those of you on uh, KVOI out in Tucson, Arizona, because it involves Pima County. Two 14-year-old girls 
were missing for over a week. Moss Washington, age 33, was charged with 15 felony counts of sex crimes upon minors and was held on a $250,000 bail. And then bail was reduced to $50,000 and he was released. He admitted post-Miranda, now that's key, post-Miranda, that's where the police tell you you have the right to remain silent, anything you say can and will be used against you. You have the right to an attorney. Uh, Post-Miranda, he admitted to unlawful sex with both underage girls. Uh, This is ridiculous. The mother of one of the girls is furious that he was let out of prison. Uh, you would not be surprised to learn that the DA of Pima County had been endorsed by Bernie Sanders. Uh, And the DA, the Bernie Sanders-endorsed DA, did not want bail reduced. The DA was not supportive of it. But it happened anyway, thanks to the judge out there. Uh, James Marner is the judge, County Superior Court Judge James Marner, reduced bail from $250,000 to $50,000. Absolutely absurd. Now, I'm following this. There's a a, a Twitter account that I follow, An Open Secret. I know one of the people behind it sent me this information, and it's not just DAs. Even the progressive DA opposed this, but it was the judge that did it, and judges Oftentimes, I uh, think they're above it. or And you know, it can also be um, boards of pardon and paroles here in Georgia. The world's most prolific collector of child pornography was released from prison after seven years by a board of pardon and paroles, though he was sentenced to a thousand years in prison. The Georgia state legislature is meeting right now and refuses to do anything about it, refuses to investigate or even impeach the board of pardon and paroles for having done that. Uh, People are soft on these crimes, and we should all be opposed and very vocal about it. It's 2022, and guess what? Nothing still makes sense. The whole world seems to be going crazy right now, and banks have gotten really skittish at helping small businesses. They're perfectly happy to help the giant businesses, but what about you? You're a small business. you got to buy a building or build a building, or you need a big loan for a fleet of vehicles to grow your business, and the banks are giving you a hard time. Check out my friends at First Liberty Building and Loan. They can help you nationwide, wherever you are. If you're a small business and you need access to loans, let's say 500000 and up, First Liberty can do it. They've been doing this since the early 90s. The Frost family are friends of mine. They're committed Christians and they're great business people and they are committed to small businesses. Reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com is their website. FirstLibertyGA.com. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if they're a good fit for you. See if you're a good fit for them. They want to help you get to yes where the big banks are saying no. Nationwide, they can help you if you're a small business. FirstLibertyGA.com is the website. FirstLibertyGA.com. 